Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalzik. Joined us by Noel Kirkpatrick. And Noel, for the first time in a while, I am not very worried that something earth-shattering is going to happen while and in our heads because we're recording. It's a wonderful feeling. How are you doing today? I mean, I actually came up with a really good bit, but I forgot what the bit was. Oh, no! So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very tired. Other yeah. than that, I'm okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily feel like relieved by any stretch of the imagination because there's just so much more to do um and the fact that mitch mcconnell is basically like look i'm not gonna let you do any of the things you want to do unless you give me that tool that prevents me from do letting me stop you from doing those things you want to do um which is just bizarre and weird and only the power grab zero-sum logic of a man turtle thing could come up with um but here we are yeah during um when all the talk about whether the impeachment was going to happen right in the house there was a there was a steady uh gif and meme game happening on the family group chat and my mom had forgotten about the mcconnell looks like a turtle thing somehow uh-huh. and so she was very confused until i clued her back in but like half of the things that we were sending around was like because it's because he looks he looks he looks like a turtle um and we don't like him we like turtles yes yes Need uh, to that, be clear but that's what all the turtle soup jokes are about <laughs> and it's just like oh okay yes Ah, yes, that's right. I think I knew that. Um, so, so see the thing I'd seen today, which of course will be immediately, it's probably already out of date, is that he was threatening to filibuster some rule that says that the Dems are in charge of the committees, like are the chairs yes, of the correct. committees. Yeah, which prevents them from doing anything, basically. Yes, but that's also just not how, like, that's not how the, that's not how this works, McConnell. They have more seats because they have the tie breaking. And so therefore they are, that's, so it's just like, I'm going to force you to, to get rid of the filibuster on this so that I can pretend that, you know, all this stuff. Um, and it's just ridiculous. Um, also brilliant, but also ridiculous. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, yes, we'll see what happens. It is exhausting. Uh, but I, goodness knows I have more patience for it. Because I'm not worried about that. And also, are we going to get into a random nuclear war? Because, you know, someone didn't get his nap. So that's something. That is something. Yeah. Um, it is nice not having to care about Twitter in that regard anymore. <laughs> it's been so much better. It's been so It's like noticeably so much better. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. Um, but... It would be easy to fall down a rabbit hole, I think, of uh, of this this let's say this line of conversation, and we will talk a little bit about the inauguration later in the podcast. Because uh, goodness knows, I watched a lot of it. I had to teach, um, and and wor- I was working, 
was totally working uh, while I watched the inauguration stuff. Uh, and I, I was actually working in the first part of it. But then it was like, once the actual ceremony started, it was like, no, we're going to stop pretending. Laptop's closed. We're watching all of this. Then the laptop opened back up after everything as I watched several more hours of coverage of things, um, just kind of waiting. I wanted to see the senators get sworn in, but I had to start teaching before then, so I couldn't. Um, we, took, we took an elementary break in the middle. And then we came back. We're on season three now. They are now on board with Kitty. The parents are on board with Kitty. That took, it was a little touch and go there for a moment, but they're, they're on board now. Um, anyways, point being, I watched a lot of inauguration coverage, coverage. I watched the, the, the party, the concert. We'll talk about that later in our week in TV, but, uh, yeah, you, yeah, it's just been a notably nicer place to spend some of my time on Twitter. I already have a highly curated bubble. I know, I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, I do. Um, but I mean, my bubble's been fine. So mostly it's just, it's not doom scrolling anymore, which is nice. It's just, it's just regular time wasting scrolling. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And it didn't help that I was really tired today. So I was like paying more attention than I should have been. Mm -hmm. Well, but you know, things like, you know, we're going to get into here, our, our top of the show topics here, our news and things like the news that we have to talk about. I actually heard about it. Because it like there was space in the Twitter discourse for some of this stuff. Uh, so the news that we have this week is that the Muppet show, all it's like all five seasons, right? Is gonna Correct. be coming to Disney Plus on uh February, uh in February, and we're going to we're planning on doing a DVD shelf. But I listeners, I don't think I've seen a single episode of the Muppet Show. So I've I intend to watch a bunch of the Muppet Show before we do the DVD shelf. We will see how this goes. Um but that is that will be happening. That's that's definitely happening. I know you are excited about this, Noel. I am, uh, listeners. This has been on um, five years ago when Kate first brought me on. She was like, "So, what do you want to do for like dream shelves?" Um, and we each made a list, and Muppet the Muppet Show was on Kate's list, and it's just been we just have not gotten around to it in five years, and now there's no excuse um, aside from not having Disney Plus. So. <laughs> But we're going to remedy that somehow. And yeah. we're going to do The Muppet Show because I love The Muppet Show. It's very good. Um, and I have not watched it in years, however. Like years upon years upon years. Uh, but I am I cannot wait to rewatch it. I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to this. And I'm glad that Disney's finally doing something with The Muppets in terms of making that available yeah. to watch. Um, considering they've owned it for years now and have done nothing with it. Yeah, if you're going to have the Muppets, let us have access to the Muppets, right? Or let somebody Basically. else have the Muppets so that we can have access to it. Um, yeah, monetize those Muppets and not with crappy new stuff. Uh, with good new stuff or good old stuff. Uh, next bit of news here. We're going to be talking about Drag Race. Obviously, we have a new episode to talk about this week. But also, Drag Race UK premiered last week. And I finally got up with that. So the first episode of that. So we're going to talk about that in our week in TV. But Drag Race Down Under is premiering later this year on Wild Presents Plus. It'll be airing in Australia. And I and that they had <laughs> Australia had to give a special dispensation to RuPaul and I think a total of twelve crew members so that they could fly in to film. Um, okay. Yeah. And we should note Australia and New Zealand. And New Zealand. Thank you. Yes, Australia and New Zealand. Um and I believe Michelle Visage is coming with as well as some crew people. Um so, and I don't know about any of the, who are the, any of the other, uh, judges or, you know, 
host kind of type people will be. Um, Michelle Visage was not one of the co-hosts of Drag Race UK season one, but she is on uh, she is on the judging panel for UK season two. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But I'm certainly very intrigued. Uh, I mean, it, if I wasn't already like underwater <laughs> with drag races to watch, I, like I, I would be very uh, here for like a like you have a season in the US and then you have a couple weeks off and then a new season starts in another country and then a couple weeks like I would be very here for that so that there's always a steady stream of drag race as long as the quality is good and by changing up the location you're getting a different cultural background you're getting you know it's hopefully different styles of drag um, that are getting highlighted that would keep the interest going for me but it seems like what they're doing right now is like just overloading right and some of that i'm sure, I'm sure is the vagaries of production schedule like filming and, and scheduling and like the the draggers uk filmed before the covid shutdowns um so like they they filmed the first half of the season before any of that and then i'm not sure exactly how that works but for whatever reason they're only airing it now so i maybe the plan was to air during the hiatus you know, last, last year and then COVID happened, but um, mm-hmm. hopefully they will just not be, you know, having down under airing at the same time as all stars while they're also trying to get the like, season two of Holland. If there is a season two, I don't remember if there is. Uh, Cause I, I would like to be able to follow all of it, but you know, one can only lot. watch so much. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's all, it's just too much. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have any uh, interest in any of these international ones or not really? Not really. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. um, I know there are fans of UK TV who will be uh, very excited uh, for an upcoming season here. We have a Peaky Blinders. Season six, of course, it is now ending with season six, which is sad news for Peaky Blinders fans. I, people who like Peaky Blinders love Peaky Blinders. They really they like, do. I mean, it doesn't feel like it's a me show. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm very excited for the people who love it and, you know, you do you enjoy it. I hope it ends well. Same. I haven't even seen any of it. Mm -hmm. So, but like you, I'm aware that many, many, many people love Peaky Blinders and like, like you noted, they, they love it. Capital L. Maybe. Um, our last bit of news here is that Bridgerton shockingly has been- renewed for season two and season two will indeed follow uh anthony so the it'll like the book series the first book is about is about daphne and then the second book is about anthony so the same they're going to do the same thing here with the second season following anthony people are very excited for the casting which one's anthony again the eldest uh, eldest eldest, because it's alphabetical naming so he's right he's the one who had the girlfriend in the first season yes um And uh, people are very excited for the love interest, uh, who's Kate. Everybody loves mm-hmm. Kate. Like the, it's the- you. It's <laughs> exciting. It's very exciting, right? Um, the the there's a bit of a mixed reaction that I have seen to Anthony, not the performance or anything, but just like the character in the book. Um, but everybody loves Kate, so I'm very interested to see when they announce, if they announce what that casting is going to be, who that casting is going to be. Um, and certainly I will be looking forward to it. They're going to start filming it in the like the middle of this year, I think. So that sounds about right. Yeah. It should come out either later this year or next year. Um, but yes, not surprising at all. Only surprising that they waited this long to, to renew it, really. 
I imagine that they had probably already okayed it and then just decided to announce it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just to give folks time to, like, start getting ready for it and figuring out the logistics of it. Uh, especially right now, as we'll get into when we talk about um, the Batwoman premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, but figuring out the logistics of shooting that show right now, in particular, I think is something that they're going to really need to be have sorted before they start filming in the summer. If that's indeed when they're going to start filming. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Only so much you can do on Bridgerton around six foot, you know. Yeah. So. Um, at the end of the show, we are catching up with a Netflix documentary travel series, uh, Somebody Feed Phil, which I had heard about. People really love this, but yes. I had not seen at all. And Noel, this was your idea. And thank you, because it was super fun. So this is coming at the end of the show. Um, yeah, we were going to do a different show. That was my idea. And then Noel watched a bunch of it. And then I watched the first episode and was like, uh, Noel... Oops. <laughs> and graciously, you were like, well, why don't we do this one instead? And uh, and then I suggested something else. And she went, no, not that. And then I suggested somebody. You did? Bill. I suggested we do Lupin. And you were like, Lup- no. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Lupin. Yeah. Well, it's because I, I watched the first I watched most of that first episode and didn't think it was very good. But other yeah. people seem to really like it. Maybe I need to give it more of a shot. You know, what? and the thing is, I watched the dub by accident. Um, oh, and no, don't watch, don't watch the dub. It's bad. So don't I'm watch sure... live action dubs. We've yeah, I didn't, about this. I didn't intend to. I didn't realize yeah. I was. I didn't like choose that. It just yeah. started. It auto plays to the dub. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? And then I was like, oh, it's the dub. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's part of why this is very bad. It's probably part of it. Yeah. So, did you did you watch the first uh, a couple episodes? I haven't watched any of it actually. Okay. Um, my partner and I are going to watch it soon um, because we're pretty interested in it. Um, but we'll probably get to it after we do the show that we were originally going to do this week. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so yeah, if you do, you know, listeners, stay po- stay, stay tuned because if we do end up doing it's Lupin, right? Is that what Lupin. 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 Oh, because it's French. Yeah. Yes, Lupin. French, yes. Um. So so if we end up. Uh, doing that covering that show in a few weeks you'll know it's because i was wrong and i should just watch the original one and not accidentally watch the dub um but this is a long-winded introduction we should stop chatting so we again listeners we're back to three segments look at us we watched so much tv this week um so we're gonna have a longer show today so let's take a break uh listen to a little amber ruffin we're so glad you're back from hiatus uh singing despite everything that's happened let's unite (laughs) so enjoy that we'll be right back with our weekend tv celebrate this great land we've had our differences before but i can say i understand i understand you don't think i deserve health care or a living wage and your refusal to see me as a human being does not fill me with rage let's unite let's all get together
Again, that was Amber Ruffin singing, despite everything that's happened, let's unite uh, on the Amber Ruffin show, which really captured how I was feeling uh, during certain parts, certainly of Inauguration Day, but uh, just in general recently. We'll be, uh, we, we will be talking about the Amber Ruffin show this week uh, because what else is there to say? She's delightful. We love the show. There's some other shows that we need to check in on instead. So we're going to kick things off with uh, Superstore, hair care products. Then Noel checked out the uh, pilot, uh, the first three episodes, actually, of Mr. Mayor, the pilot, uh, Mayor's Day Out, and Brentwood Trash. Uh, so I'm intrigued because I was definitely not going to watch that show. So maybe I will. We'll see. Then we have Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Zoe's Extraordinary Dreams. Um, and then I'll have a couple quick thoughts on RuPaul's Drag Race UK at season two premiere, as well as our most recent episode of Drag Race season 13, Phenomenon. Uh, so first up is Superstore, hair care products, or, you know, Superstore does their BLM episode. You know, and I certainly, this was way better for me than the Unicorn episode of a similar theme. Um, from mm-hmm. earlier this season, but uh, and and I I think there's a number of things that this episode did right that I've seen other episodes do wrong, but I still would have liked a little bit less of let's make work for our POC characters and then make the fact that we're making work for our POC characters be the storyline. Sure, but but. You know, like, I, I see what they're doing. I think they did it better than other shows I've seen try to, you know, tackle this topic recently. Um, but it just mostly makes me miss, like, the Carmichael show. Can, I, can we have the Carmichael show back, please? Oh, yeah. That would be nice. That would be really nice, actually. That would have been really helpful to have. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree that I think that the way that the show is also aware of the fact that they're of exactly what they're doing narratively helps make a big difference in sort of the reception of it and the ways in which it plays internally plays with that concept of we're forcing our characters of color to do this work down to the fact of, Oh, yep. Got to have the black woman take care of it. And how that causes a narrative tension within the episode in and of itself. So I think that there's a lot of really solid kind of layers. And then you factor in things like Glenn's white guilt um, and then Jonah's well-meaning decentering of himself, um, which is just the best runner throughout the entire episode. It's one of the best choices of the episode. It's one of the very best things they do is to 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 make a point of Jonah decentering himself, and then to just leave him out of good like long stretches of the episode. Uh, which good on you, Jonah. This is not what Jonah would have done in an earlier season. He's made right. progress. Yeah. And the other thing that I do really like about it is that despite the fact that it is about these characters, is about Garrett having to take on this onus, there is also just that overwhelming sense of resignation about having to do it, but also the fact that nothing's going to be done about it. And the ways in which that has been folded into both culture at large, but also within Superstore itself. They mentioned Jonah wasting a year of his life trying to get the store unionized and the fact that that doesn't even come up really anymore well it does they mention it fairly routinely but as just hey remember when you tried to do that and it didn't go anywhere yeah yeah that was a waste of time and the ways in which that political movements and things to push against capitalism and systemic racism are constantly thwarted just from inertia 
and barriers that make it very difficult to overcome those things. So I think that while there is that impulse still within the episode as an episode of television structure, the actual ways in which they dramatize those issues, I think is really, really good. And it's also still really funny. And they continue to make really good hay out of the the warehouse not staff room but in the warehouse meetings to do social distancing um so i think the episode generally works really well and then the the b plot with sandra refusing to go to the movie night is just chef's kiss beautiful Mm -hmm. like it's just so good um anyway i've been talking for a few minutes so i'd like to hear some more thoughts from you about this episode well i also the 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 subplot was very good um and and the 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 just little button at the end of oh yeah i forgot i'm busy that day great uh oh mateo watching herbie fully loaded in a pit that he's dug next to a pit that he's dug for sandra uh outside in the cold yeah that's gonna be well maybe it's not cold where they are it's probably cold where they are they're in the midwest it's cold where they are yeah that's uh quite the quite the victory um i also really enjoyed some of the the smaller beats and singers i love i really love the delivery when um when they're having the the whole pizza party who gets to come to the pizza party thing and the one other employee who's in a wheelchair comes up and he's like oh no you're good yeah you know very good delivery there and um timing on that i also really liked the end um was like why did why is the uh the the mascot in the crusher and they just go because it's super racist and she goes oh Ah, fine. That's cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Great. <laughs> uh, uh, the, there's just some fun little beats there. I also particularly enjoyed that they, or I was, I was glad that they included at least some discussion of the racism that a lot of Asian Americans uh, are um, ha- ha- talking about experiencing, you know, certainly around coronavirus. And um, so, so I, it was good that they were, you know, finding ways to, draw connections and also distinctions between the experiences of the different characters, uh, specifically the characters of color uh, in the cast. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, is it, it's funny. It's interesting. It's their take on this, which is going to be better than most other shows take on capital I issues, at least based on their track record. Um, So, you know, we'll see what happens next uh, in the, as we get some of these, these are their storylines going. And I, I guess, you know, the idea that they don't try to have Glenn learn anything because he's not going to learn anything is probably a good call as well. I was wondering if there was some other, if there's other reasons that he's been distanced, like not in scenes with other people as much this season. I don't know if that is a coronavirus health concern, um, mm-hmm. age related thing, or if yeah, that, he is in a high risk group. So yeah, that may, that might be why, uh, but if so, that's a creative way to, 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 to handle that so um I, i'm kind of just stalling here because i'm not all that curious about mr mayor and that's our next show um but when we first talked about mr mayor i did not realize that this show started out as a 30 rock spinoff for jack donaghy and oh, it's that just explains so goddamn much about this show yeah <laughs> and so they didn't go forward with it and then they just kind of retooled it and changed new york to la even though, to my knowledge, Tina Fey and Robert Carlock don't have any specific ties to L.A. They the way not. that they do to New, to New York. Um, and they just got dancing because he's terrific. Right. And that's how we got Mr. Mayor. So what you watch three episodes. So clearly you like something. 
What did you think of Pilot Mayor's Day Out and Brentwood Trash? Oh, and now I'm seeing that Danson didn't want to move from Los Angeles. So they rewrote the show to take place in Los Angeles. Oh, that's just that's just beautiful. Um, so other people on the show, aside from Danson, uh, include Holly Hunter, um, Kyla Kennedy from Speechless, who we both love, um, who's now officially too old looking to play a high schooler, but she plays a high schooler in this. Um, Bobby Moynihan and uh, Villa Lovell from um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, so we love this entire cast. Yeah, no, the entire cast is actually really good. Like, I love Holly Hunter a ton. Like, one of my favorite actors. I love her. Um, this deals with a businessman, who, a retired businessman who runs for mayor of Los Angeles and wins despite all the odds. And the show picks up with him coming into office, basically. Um, and you... N- being unaware of the actual premise and then all the retooling explains a lot why these first three episodes just suck. Um, why did you watch three? Well, here's the thing. Is that I do find the actors really charismatic, obviously. And they do a lot with very little or very bad material um, to the point where most of the jokes are pretty tired. But they also lack all the specificity and bite that you would expect from Faye and Carlock because it's set in Los Angeles. They don't have any context for Los Angeles down to the fact that Holly Hunter's character who sits on the Los Angeles city council is angling to become one of the deputy mayors in the pilot and becomes one of the deputy mayors of Los Angeles. But my friend and friend of the show, Nick Campbell, who lives in Los Angeles was just like, no sitting city council member in Los Angeles would give up their seat to be a deputy mayor because it's actually giving up power as opposed to having a lot of power, um, which demonstrates just on a basic level how they don't understand Los Angeles. So there's all of that problem happening. Um, and then there's other things, including down to the fact that Danson's character as a dad does actually feel very Donahue-esque. Um, and then also just generally feels very Jack Donaghy down to his, the third episode involves, uh, Brentwood, uh, getting up in arms about a recycling center coming to their neighborhood. And Brentwood's a very rich part of Los Angeles. Um, that's, that's where OJ lived. Yes. Well, Chrissy Teigen's there to complain about it, even though Chrissy Teigen doesn't actually live in Brentwood, which she acknowledges. Um, but Andy McDowell is there to oppose the whole thing. And there's this very much this interplay between her and dance. And that is Donaghy with any other beautiful woman on 30 rock um, to a T. Um, so I can't unsee it now. Um, and it's McDowell playing a very 30 rock esque version of herself, um, which is very funny. Like it was very, very good. My hair just, my hair just dries this way is what she says about mm-hmm. her hair, which is delightful. Um, but it's just, it lacks a lot of specificity about politics, about um, Los Angeles. So there's not a lot there, there, especially in these first three episodes, that makes it feel distinct from anything. So in fact, it just ends up feeling deeply, deeply generic. Um, and that's frustrating. Everyone's doing their best job with the material, but you can just tell that the writing can't match the setting and also none of these characters actually have anything about them that feels really defined. So it's a big pass. I'm not going to watch any more after this episode um, because after like these three, 
But I was just kind of like, yeah, this is a big swing and a miss. <laughs> well, and it's good to give, you know, as we both know, often comedy pilots are not the best. Yeah. There's a lot of great comedies that really missed, flailed a little bit right at the beginning until they kind of found their groove. Um, so it is, a you know, especially with a cast you really like and with this kind of pedigree, it makes, you know, it makes sense to get a little bit more space and like hope it comes together and clicks. But like. Not, I'm looking forward to not having to watch that one. Um, I enjoyed it the next episode, though a bit more muted than I anticipated. Uh, this was Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Zoe's Extraordinary Dreams. And this feels like the big thing here is we get, well, there's two main subplots, I would say, is we get the stuff with Zoe's mom and Jenna and, you know, obvious new potential love interest. You um, think? Because <laughs> they couldn't be less subtle about that. Um, it's been two months since Mitch died, but of course we need to get her love interest. Um, and I'm sure that's what they'll actually, this show seems like it has enough, like this, this show doesn't feel like it's going to rush her into some sort of a relationship other than to use it as a way to explore her emotions and coping with the death of her husband. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but, and, and, and giving Mary Steenburgen anything good to play is great. So yay. Um, and then of course the other main subplot is Zo- let's break up Zoe and Max. And, like, if they wanted to get me to really not be on that ship anymore, this episode does it. Because Max is pretty terrible in this episode. And the yes. way they build that um, doesn't fit at all with the other stuff I've seen for does Max. Not. And uh, does it, like, they try to sell at the end like that. It's like a very, like, understanding and mutual thing. And I don't think that that works. Because of everything else they've established. Yes. Um, you don't get to just go like, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't be there for you right now in a way that you need with this really petty, stupid shit while I'm dealing with my overwhelming grief of the loss of my father. Um, it's really dumb. It is really bad. <laughs> and like the Simon freak out. I like that they didn't show the song. I thought that was cool, actually. But um, I'm curious, have they done that before? No, that's the first time they've done that. That was, I thought that was good. It was, it was neat. Um, but, uh, and I like that if they don't give the character privacy from Zoe, they give the character privacy for the audience. That's a neat mm-hmm. thing to be thinking about. Um, but, like, what, like, what are they trying to do? Are they just, like, it feels really dumb. <laughs> like, it's a good conversation to have, and it's really interesting, but not literally the episode after you, like, stressed how significant a relationship this was for Zoe. She's still wearing that ring everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it just doesn't, it feels so forced. I don't like it. What do you think? No, it's straight up character assassination to Max. Like it's straight up character. I mean, he has elements of being very self-absorbed that came through in season one to certain points with a woman he was dating at the time. Um, but those, that self-absorption was also tied up in his attraction to Zoe. Um, but here it's just full on self-absorption that is really gross and deeply unbecoming. And like you said, doesn't really jive with the general, his general whole deal of this kind of supportive person. Um, cause there's a complete lack of support here, um, in this episode and he just like you said, for very petty shit reasons that doesn't feel earned. It doesn't make sense. 
Um, and it's very frustrating. It was also just really frustrating watching all of this happening and no one say the word therapy. Like I just, I was very just frustrated by that. Um, like not even like Simon, Simon eventually gets around to like mentioning a therapist, but does not recommend a therapy, like seeking out therapy, which your insurance definitely covers that Zoe. Um, So I think that there's a lot of stuff here that was really, really frustrating that Zoe's grief basically becomes not something that she gets to cope with or work through rather than, okay, we got these two together. Now we're immediately going to tear them apart through this reason. Um, And I just, I didn't like it. It felt really rushed. It felt really gross. Like I said earlier, and I just, it didn't connect with anything else that has really felt like a through line on Max. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I do agree that they got into this too soon and got into it during like the worst possible time to do this, but it doesn't justify a lot of the other stuff that's happening here. Well, I think because the other thing that's so frustrating for me with this is that it's, there's very clear path for how you do this, but do it in a way that makes sense. Yes. Um, first of all, you don't skip over. They've been in a, a relationship for two weeks to the extent that he's sleeping over at her house at her, you know, her parents' house and like with her in a regular way or that he's like, just always, they're like, just always together is what we're seeing. Um, that seems like a lot really fast. If they, if she doesn't know if they're together yet, right. Officially, if they haven't, have they, if they haven't DTR'd, yes. <laughs> um, then, then it seems very, that's like a, that's a big jump. Um, it, he also comes off as incredibly controlling throughout this. Um, in a way that's like sending up flags everywhere, but like with the um, yeah, but really, shouldn't you move out of your mom's house because I'm tired of having sex with you in your childhood bedroom, and I would like to have sex with you in a in an adult sized bed, please. Um, <laughs> it's a full sized bed, Max. I don't know what you want. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's what we're supposed to read into here. Like that's not as much what Aston is playing, but the subtext is there. It's like. Yes. It does. It does not feel like it's about her. It feels like it's about him. Mm-hmm. And then you combine that with the Simon thing, and then you combine that with the stuff later. But instead, you could have just, you know, like, yes, obviously this is a challenging time for her, and also she's got this work stress. But also, he's trying to launch a restaurant, and that just takes a lot of time. Yeah. And so, what you could have seen instead is that he's trying to be there for her, and that is causing him to fall down on the work front, and then you can have the tension with Mo be around that mm-hmm. instead of some random shit. And then, and then they come to the, this under this awareness that like, they don't have time for, for all this stuff right now. And he's already got the, this new business venture going. She's got her new job. Neither one of them wants to like go of that. And so they're going to back off. They're going to like slow down and like take two steps back in the relationship. That would make sense. But instead, it's just like, I've been talking for like 10 minutes and you're not even listening as I ramble on about Mo. Like, it's horrible. It's yes. not good. Um, and as you say, Simon talked about, it. yeah, it actually really helps when I talk to a therapist. But but you can talk to me. It's like, that's... It's not how this sounds works. Sounds like someone didn't learn yeah. <laughs> the right things from therapy then. So what did work for you about this episode? Um, how did you feel about the numbers in the episode. I thought that mostly worked. Uh, the, I think having, I was worried that the 
dance was going to end with Max at the door. So I was glad that it was her. That made mm-hmm. a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, was much more interesting. Um, I liked the It's a Hard Knock Life, though I don't think they earned that. <laughs> no, they did not. But it's still very good. <laughs> it's still very fun. Um, I thought that the the stuff with Jenna, I really like the stuff with with um, uh, Maggie um, and getting into uh, like back into work and what that means for her. And, um, you know, the little bit we can extrapolate out, out about, you know, like going with this safe design, feeling comfortable and feeling like the right way to go because she's trying to guess what Mitch would say and do. Um, instead of taking a risk on them not liking her mm-hmm. specific vision, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I liked that they are specifically giving Jenna something that she can be helpful with and good at. Uh, that's good if she's going to be around. Um, and and it was just nice to see Steenburgen get to play something more positive. And mm-hmm. up, it was nice to see her, to see Maggie glowing a bit it was neat. Yeah, even if her design, also her like accepted design, also sounded remarkably safe. <laughs> oh yeah, like yeah. oh, it's a secret garden. That sounds really basic, uh, <laughs> um, but I'm sure it's going to turn out very lovely. Um, yeah, I I agree with everything, so I don't really need to. I don't really need to carry on. I think you were spot on. So. Yeah. Oh well, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we we so far we've been surprisingly in, in locks up with this one. Uh, how many episodes before we get Zoe and Simon stuff? Oh, I would say another two. I was gonna say two as well. Yeah. See, locks up. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I oh, give Harvey Guillen another song, please. Yes, the other please. Last note I have. Oh, um, the egg bar. I didn't. Think <laughs> the egg bar. <laughs> Um, let's go move on to our next show, which is Drag Race UK. And, uh, I don't usually, uh, I don't, I don't usually respond so viscerally, but I call shenanigans on this Drag Race UK premiere because of who was eliminated. And they eliminated one of the most prominent queens, um, who came into, cause they, they, they didn't do any of this non-elimination stuff in UK. They, they have all the queens somebody gets chopped the very first episode and the person who got chopped shouldn't have even been up for elimination. And it was very strange to me. So, uh, yeah, I call rigor Morris. So I don't know exactly like if they're like, well, we'll just bring her back for, um, like all stars when we do, you know, drag race, you hate all stars eventually. Or if, if there were other, like, commitments so that she could only do an episode. I don't know. But the idea that they are that they had a queen that polished and they let other queens who were okay but not great go by as safe. Like, she didn't crush the lip sync. She lost the lip sync. But, like, it was... Yeah. We'll see. I'm curious, listeners, if you're watching Dragos UK, reach out with your thoughts because I'm not going to say too much more because of spoilers, because people may be t- taking a while to get to see UK over here stateside. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not. I'm just going to stay vague, but I was very surprised and in a way that it, it didn't make sense to me. Normally they do a better job of supporting the decision of like who gets eliminated with the editing um and 
They did not this episode. So I'm a little salty. I'm a little salty. Though I do like this batch of queens overall. Uh, there's some really polished queens in there. And there's a, there's a good number of personalities as well. So we will see what comes next. Also, they go right up to a, are we going to have create a narrative with the two black queens in the cast about them fighting over who gets to be Naomi Campbell and instead took a left, a hard left and said, yeah, well, we both want to be Naomi Campbell because there's so little queer representation for people of color in in UK culture. I know, right? It's pretty just Na- pretty much just Naomi Campbell for, for you know for who you can pick. And instead, they just talked about that, and and uh, instead of having trying to like get them to fight about it, they they like had to bond over that. Um, and they both did Naomi Campbell, and they both did a great job, and it was fabulous. So uh, I I really appreciated that little sidestep of expectations. But um, other than that, I was a little frustrated by what they. Uh, how how that all shook out, I guess. Now that I've done tap dancing in a circle around that, uh, let's move to our season 13 of Drag Race uh, episode, Phenomenon. What did you think of the Pork Chop Queens? I'm pretty... I think that the Pork Chop Queens are a more mixed bunch than our initial batch was. Um, mm-hmm. But I also feel like there's more... Each of them have more to offer for the most part than what we necessarily get to see in this episode. Um, even if I do feel like a lot of the looks um, felt a little unfinished in a lot of places, or just weren't well-constructed um, in a couple, in also a couple of different places, and I'm already bored with Joey J. Uh, <laughs> just grab a hat. If you don't want to put on a wig, mm-hmm. that's fine. Just grab a hat. Um, you have to change it up a little bit more. You don't have to put a wig, but like, like you know, there's been plenty of discourse about this. But like Angina, they compared, you know, or or um, Sasha Sasha Velour, yeah. but like Angina wears a different fascinator or a different yeah. hat or a different accessory yeah. to go with the ball. Yes, look, exactly. Right? And Joey is just like slightly changing the hair color. Like that's it's not it's, enough. It is not. Got to do more. Um. So generally, though, I was still pretty happy with the episode overall um i am very right now i'm pretty worried about kimura from the inability to finish on time but also when you're only doing drag twice a month and you're doing drag basically in secret um which is gut-wrenching and horrible story to listen to and i did not care for that in terms of the situation that kimura is in it's bad um it also explains why it takes them so long to do get their makeup and stuff done i think but also terrific eye for high-end glamour look it is not going to be enough to get them through um and also that wig was a bad choice for the runaway look like that wig did not go with that outfit i don't know why you went i'm gonna do share but with dolly's hair why why would you (laughs) think that (laughs) Well, in, in the for Kimura, besides the the the, the delay, right? How slow, right? Um, that also to me hinted at, and of course, this is a real person, uh-huh. and who, and I'm not saying that I have any sense of who the real person right. is, like what their life is and what their experiences is as a TV character on a thing that I am watching. What I extrapolate out from what we see here is you only get to do drag a few times, a couple times a month. 
then it makes a lot more sense ritualizing yes. the process of getting into drag and the transformation, how meaningful mm-hmm. that is. Because it feels like, you know, you're out in the desert and you get water twice a month, right? So, like, this is a really important form of expression. And obviously, like, he's incredibly talented. He's really good at what he yeah. does, you know. Kimura is a is a fabulous, beautiful creation, um, really, really glamorous and fun and very distinct, right? So I, I mean, I don't, I don't know the uh, like the dry performer's actual name. I couldn't find it online, <laughs> which is uh, interesting. Um, but he's like, he's very good at what he does, and he's only doing it a couple times a month. So imagine what he could be and what Kimura would be with more ability to hone the craft with repetition, yeah. you know? Um, so obviously, you know, they talk about being in a, having been in this relationship for eight years. And that's something that is, I assume very deep and very meaningful and very important. Um, but watching this episode myself, and I feel safe to say pretty much all the Queens are like DDMFA. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. DDMFA run away start like find someone who's gonna support you wholeheartedly and and especially with added information from untucked that um that he's not out as a drag queen to his family either okay like kind of like have mentioned in passing but they don't really have a full picture that like oh no drag queen like fabulous really good at this at a high enough level to get on the yeah biggest stage in the country which is you know drag race um so that that and and also just having had a difficult time coming out to the family just as gay Mm -hmm. um and not being supported um not being like shunned like some of the queens have talked about are being kicked out of the family but just not supported you know so like yeah it's it's just is rough we like i I felt like we got to know kamara pretty darn well in this first episode which is good because doesn't seem like she's going to be around all that long. Yeah. Uh, the other queen that we got to know pretty darn well is Tamisha Iman, uh, who I thought was fantastic and really kind of took this episode. The I thought that um, De- uh, Denali was the clear winner. Yes. Despite some weak looks because of just how strong that, that performance was. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rosé, the, really, the strong runway, um, I didn't love her third runway but the first two runway looks really good and with that performance like yeah those are the top two and denali i thought absolutely won the lip sync but i really like like for who won the episode like as a viewer tamisha yes fabulous are you familiar with with that lip sync video that they were showing the little the i need hero yes i am i was so glad that 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 got the time it and the 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 reverence it deserved (laughs) Yeah, no, I was too. Um, no, and I agree with you. Like, Denali definitely won that lip sync. And I think that the top two for this, um, I, I, I didn't love a lot of Rosé's look, but Rosé's got just a ton of charisma, both on stage, but also in like the talking head segments. Um, I think they do really good reality talking head. Um, but Tamisha's just... Tamisha is going to be playing this game really well because Tamisha's drag is going to be very old school, which is going to appeal to Rue and it's going to appeal to the massage, uh, Michelle, um, for a long stretch. Like Tamisha is going to be able to 
I don't want to say skate by because I really liked a lot of her looks. I liked that weave dress a lot. I thought that was great blend of camp and kind of glamour um, that was executed really, really well. Um, but there's also that old school vibe that I think is really going to help them. And frankly, the fact that they didn't perform super well or super stand out during the the big group number is just kind of like, eh, it's okay. Don't like save, save it. Like you're, you're going to get through this episode. No problem. Save it for something else where you're going to have a bigger chance to be you. Um, because everyone already knows who you are. <laughs> you don't need to really sell yourself here. Um, so I, th- I thought the verse was really good. Yeah. Just the physicality. I, I definitely saw what Michelle was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought she actually had one of the better verses for me. And I talked about this in my write up over at the AV club. I thought that the fashion was better last week overall, though there were a few standouts here. Like, ugh. first of all, Kamara looked great, yeah. but also Tamisha's runway, like the, the sheer gorgeous. When you make Nicole Byer shut up, when Nicole Byer, who was fabulous, by yes. the way, and apparently will be back at least one one more time this season. Nice. Um, as a joke. My partner will be very happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. When, when you, are, she, she's like, I can't even make jokes. It's just gorgeous. It's just so stunning. Oh my God. Like, you know, you've like, you know, you crush it. Um, But like having, <laughs> I, I, I thought that the verses were weaker, but overall the performance is much better. And you could just tell like they, the way that the choreography, like some people didn't like, they thought it was too much just walking, but when each person had their verse, all the other Queens were reacting to and incorporating the things from that verse. Whereas in the last one, they were just kind of standing and like standing and waiting during the other people's verses um, so it was just a much more cohesive overall thing. Yes. And like, she, yeah, she didn't, she wasn't giving out as much energy as some of the other ones. And there was two, there was just like a pageant smile on her face the whole time when it, it, it wasn't always appropriate for the tone mm-hmm. of the song. But, um, but no, she's, she's great. And mother is here to school the children. And some of the children in this episode, Kamora, need that and are desperately craving it (laughs) so i am very here to watch it yeah um my only other note that i have and i texted this to you but i thought it was really good enough to share is that the only thing worse than no choreographers is three choreographers Uh, (laughs) because that was just a small disaster um until i feel like tamisha went we need to get our acts together here everyone we've got five minutes left guys yeah Yeah, let's Here's what we're going to do. Yeah, here's what we're going to do. That also doesn't break my body. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? I appreciated Rosé specifically, the show, doing this. But you get the sense from the other queens, too, that they are like, that That Tamisha, when Tamisha, because Tamisha took such a back seat and let them do their thing, that when she was, you know, or I guess, sorry, because they were at Morning Dragon, then when he was doing, when he was like, choreographer, he was like, okay, here's what we should do. Because of how he did it and because of the space that he gave them and because the suggestions were good, they fell right in line. Rosé's like, yeah, no, listen, listen, listen to what he's doing. This is good. Just do that, right? It, it was it was lovely to see that kind of support, whereas when Elliot is like, oh my God, let's just do this. Um, it w- There was pushback from Tina and some of the other people who didn't appreciate, they felt like they'd been tricked, that they'd been trying to choreograph uh, choreograph the, the, the sequence and there was somebody who was obviously more qualified who didn't say anything you know um so that thought that was an interesting parallel also i don't know if you're aware of this are you aware that lala Ree is the drag daughter of tamisha i was not oh no that's great yeah well especially because lala Ree and tamisha served the same audience 
like surrogate spot in the two choreography rehearsals where they're just like looking around going like seriously what is happening right mm-hmm. now what like <laughs> it was a so that speaks to a um a personality mm-hmm. uh in in the house of Amon that I'm very entertained by so we'll see what happens when they uh when they meet I'm waiting for uh, like a, I expect a, quite a reaction but we'll see yeah, I was almost thinking that they were going to keep the group separated a little bit longer just from a COVID perspective yeah, um, and just do a Survivor-esque two tribes thing. And then we merge them in a couple more episodes after we've eliminated like four people. Um, but I mean, that was probably too much to hope for. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, I, I prefer it this way, unless they had to for COVID reasons. I prefer it this way because that way you are not eliminating someone like because of the the teams are not equal i don't right. think yeah i think I the first team is stronger though they have different strengths which is interesting so i think the first team overall is a little stronger there's a couple weaker people in the second team though the strongest people in the second team are just as good as the strong people in the in the first team and so if you had eliminated somebody from the stronger team before you eliminated the weaker people in the other team that would not feel right sure. to me yeah so I'm glad that they were just like doing the same thing as last season, but just to stretch it out a little longer. And then now we'll see them all come back together. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but going from six or seven Queens per episode to 13 is going to be yeah. quite it's a change. Too much. It's too many, too yeah. many Queens, too many Queens. Uh, so, so who's the first eliminated? Do you think? Oh, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure I have like a solid beat on it yet. Like I said, I am worried about Kimura, but um, it'll also like they're doing like a they're doing like their like television challenge this for the next one. Um, and I don't have a good enough sense of who's funny yet and good at this kind of thing to be able to make that yet. Okay. So who who are you feeling like then? Oh, I know. So I can't oh, say anything. Oh, right. You know, you've already watched. Never mind. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I don't know because they, I have, you know, I have screener access, hashtag screener privilege, um, but they cut it off before they show, tell you who's eliminated. So I don't officially know who gets eliminated, but I know who gets eliminated. It's already been <laughs> circulating. Yeah. No, well, it has. Yes, it has been. But also based because I saw the lip sync. So. Okay. <laughs> so i know who well gets that eliminated. doesn't bode well <laughs> but uh but it, i mean it's it's a good it's a good lipstick it's a good performance and all but like there's a winner um so okay. so you know maybe it won't be that maybe i will write my write-up and then i will see who got eliminated and be like uh, and have to write an angry screed at the end of my <laughs> write-up we'll see um but yeah it's um I will have thoughts next week. I'll just put it that, like that. Uh, let's take a break, listen to a little more music, and then come back with our week in drama and genre. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. A new life for me. Ooh. And I'm feeling Fish in the sea. 
That was John Legend singing Nina Simone's Feeling Good, uh, which, yeah, yeah, I was feeling good <laughs> um, listening to that. Uh, John Legend is very, very good at what he does. Um, this week in uh, drama and genre, I would just, I mean, I, a reality, I don't know. It's, it's a weird week. Hard, hard to fit things into sections. Um, I've got, we're going to kick things off with the Celebrating America tribute concert kind of thing and a little inauguration talk, um, which I watched. And then Noel has some thoughts on some of the dueling musical parody Trump send-offs that we got this week from James Corden and uh, Colbert. Um, then we'll talk, I assume briefly, but maybe not, about Miss Scarlet and the Duke. Inheritance is the first episode. Uh, then we'll have thoughts on Batwoman's premiere. What happened to Kate Kane? And then we'll round things out with WandaVision, which has first two episodes, episode one and two. Um, or the Dick Van Dyke Show episode and the Bewitched episode. <laughs> um, so first up is Celebrating America, hosted by Tom Hanks. And I thought that, you know, this really reminded me of the approach the DNC took to their conference. Um and in taking advantage, like looking at, okay, well, coronavirus, so we can't do like the big in-person concert stage show thing we usually do. Um, and we can't throw all the inaugural balls that we usually do. But what can we do that is unique? And so they had a bunch of different musical performances from people all around the, the, the country, different types of musicians. They were all, I thought, varying levels of very good to great. Uh, there was a great range of, you know, things. They had Yo-Yo Ma doing some classical. They had some pop rock. Uh, they had classic rock. They had uh, Foo Fighters doing some, like, really, like, actual, like, rocking out, you know. Um, but they also had country. They also had uh, rap. They also had and, and some hip-hop. They had some, uh, uh, they had, uh, like, a just a little touch, uh, like, a short segment of some Latin pop. Um, and so they, there was a good, there was a good blend of things. Uh, what there was not a good blend of, uh, which is something that it really bothers me that they didn't seem to notice this, is that there weren't any, any women headliners for the first hour of the hour and a half long program. So like the first time there, there was, cause there were like, there was like some women in the choir or backup singers or. There's Bon Jovi's band had a woman on violin, you know, electric violin. But like everybody who was front and center was a man until and most were white men, but not all uh, until we got to the memorial for the for the people who have died of COVID. And they showed the people who had performed at that, which was two women. Um, and there was also a montage of Broadway stars that had a bunch of women in that. But like, again, that's a montage group ensemble thing that's not. A person, you know, until the last two, which was Demi Lovato and Katy Perry. Um, and so it just it was very strange in a in a show that really was focused on unity, right? That was the theme, and and all these different types of music and expression and genres and like age, like generations and stuff like that. This is clearly such a priority that nobody noticed, hey. Maybe we should see if Carrie Underwood will do something and put her like third, you know? Um, it's always interesting where those blind spots pop up because I don't think it was intentional. And it's not no, like probably, people almost were certainly not. bad. It's just like, tap, 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 uh, guys. Uh, like all these people, all these bands are great. They all sound awesome. They all like turned it freaking out. And I'm not saying you need to cut anyone. I'm just saying it's kind of weird 
that it takes until you show the thing that happened yesterday for us to get any women in your big party. And maybe some of it was because they had Gaga and JLo sing at the inauguration. But they also had Garth Brooks sing at the inauguration. So, like, maybe that was part of the calculus for them. Like, well, we really featured women singers there. So, we'll, you know, so that kind of balances. But I just, it feels like it's just nobody noticed. (laughs) Not a great look. So. Yeah. It's probably because no one noticed. Yeah. Yeah. And what are you going to say? Like, no, we won't start with uh, Springsteen and then go to Bon Jovi and then go to Yo-Yo Ma and then go, like, then go to Justin Timberlake and they, like. But like, and I mean, honestly, you should be breaking up Springsteen and Bon Jovi anyway somewhere with a better interlude between the two of them. Yes. Like, that's just a flow issue right there. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it just was very, it was, like, it just was very strange to me. I saw somebody mm-hmm. tweeted about it. And, um, and, and because I watched, I came down, I was teaching, I came down, I saw the end of it, uh, which was much more balanced. And then mm-hmm. I... The next the next day, I, I watched the first hour of it and caught the rest of it because I had intended to see it because I really liked the part that I saw. And I was like, well, first of all, they built the end really well because Demi Lovato did Bill Withers' Lovely Day, but with like um, as a montage of healthcare workers also performing and stuff, which was cool. Okay. Um, and then Katy Perry did firework over like the most insane fireworks display I've ever seen in my entire life. Um. But so like that was a really lovely like build to the end. But instead of like moving Demi earlier, you could have just had more women. (laughs) But anyways, uh, the people who did perform all did a wonderful job. It was a good blend of places. I particularly like the attention to uh, Nashville. Um, uh, There there was a couple country singers, Tim McGraw and someone else whose name I fortunately do not remember um singing um in nashville which was cool um but like yeah maybe it's not 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 a great not a great not a great look but hey peppermint was in the broadway montage that was cool that is cool (laughs) it's very cool (laughs) um i have not watched the do the, the the these james corden doing one day more and uh um laura benanti as melania doing bell on colbert uh, do I need to seek these out? I'm not a fan of like James Corden doing one day more. Uh, I appreciated him getting drugged <laughs> through Twitter with a picture of him, like kissing Sean Spicer on the cheek or something and like cozying up to him, which the only time that would have possibly happened is after he was working in the Trump administration. Um, yeah. So yeah, James Corden, you don't get to do both of those things in my opinion, but what did you think? So I think that there is a couple of things here. Um, one, Corden's performance is just kind of blah. Um, they do have a number of uh, backup folks from Broadway, and it was a big thing for the um, the Broadway charity that's been running since the pandemic started, whose name I can't remember. Um, and Patty Lapone's in there, um, and so there's a good like little parody riff of like talking about Trump and one day more and like the master of the house reprise is done through about wearing mask wearing. So they're both uh, magas that refuse to wear masks and mm-hmm. Patty Lapone is one of them. Um, so that, that bit was funny, but parodying Les Mis is just so tired. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just like, this feels like the very obvious choice. Um, 
Whereas doing a Bell parody doesn't feel as obvious. Um, so it gets points for novelty and also it gets points for um, Bonatti staying in the Melania accent for basically the entire song, uh, which is pretty great. However, the entire charm of Bell is all the townspeople talking about Bell. And that doesn't really happen in this. There's a little bit of it, um, but there's not a lot of it. There's not enough of it, basically. Um, and that's the whole point of the Bell song is the juxtaposition of Bell's slightly condescending thing about the town <laughs> and the townspeople being like, get a load of this weirdo that we also all kind of like, but she's a weirdo. She um, could be a lot. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't really come through in that. There's a little, again, there's a little bit of it, but the reason why I kind of give the Bell parody a slight, slightly more bit of an edge is that they shot it on location in Times Square. Um, and then there's like a solid bit of dance number with all the, um, with the ensemble on the steps in fr- those steps on Times Square. Um, that is, I think, good for what they were going to do. Um, so that kind of edges out with Corden's is basically just him wandering through the studio and then the Broadway folks showing up on screens as like um, talking heads on newscasts, um, which is if you're going to do that in a very social distance sort of way. And I kind of appreciate that about the Corden thing compared to the uh, Bell one on Colbert. But the Colbert one has a little bit more dynamism, uh, is a little bit more dynamic. So I don't think that you need to watch either of these, but I was just charmed by the fact that they both decided to do musical parodies on the same night, um, albeit on two different members of the Trump family, but still, you're leaving. We're going to do a musical number. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, you know, the correct answer for the best Trump musical send-off uh, is actually Randy Rainbow. Did you see his video? I did not. Um, so, and this also made the Broadway montage that they did in the the inauguration performance all the better because for the inaugural one which you know the the randy rainbow one came out the day before um the inauguration when they did seasons of love and they went into the but then then and it was like oh yeah okay i get it i mean it's a beautiful song everybody loves it but also it's a bit expected right um and then but then they went into let the sunshine um from hair which was great it was, it was like i was like oh yeah this is way better Good call, good call. But um, the the Randy Rainbow one was Seasons of Trump. Okay, uh, sure, and That's it's solid, very good. It is terrific, highly recommended. So, listeners, if you want your send off, it's basically just like remember this and also this. We haven't forgotten about that. <laughs> and and they, they list off all the you list off all the different um, press secretaries. It's like, oh yeah, Spicer, we remember, <laughs> we have not forgotten. <laughs> so it's uh, uh, highly recommended. Kate, Kate okay, I will seek that out. Um, next up, we have Miss Scarlet and the Duke, which this is their first episode, Inheritance. And uh, so they're very much doing the um, the um, Miss Freddie, Miss Fisher's murder mysteries thing, but Victorian. And sort they're of, yeah. so far not doing it as well. And I am not all that on board. I wanted to like this so much more than I did. What, what did you think of this first episode? Yeah, this is super basic. Um, <laughs> It's 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 very weird watching it because you can see glimmers of like a perfectly solid show, but you can't get away with perfectly solid with this kind of a premise anymore. 
because it's been done so much now at this point. Um, and we're really familiar with it as like a concept type of show. Um, my partner and I were initially thinking that maybe we were going to get sort of a Remington Steel situation in which she just kind of pretends to be working for her father, mm. but then nope, he's very dead and everyone knows he's dead. Um, and I think that doing a Remington Steel riff probably would have helped give it a little bit more of a boost than just the, she takes it over. Um, and she's kind of flirty with, uh, the cop, but it just doesn't register as really any chemistry they have almost negative chemistry uh scarlet and our cop friend the duke um so yeah it was a little flat and her servants aren't snarky enough or funny enough and it's just like i don't know what you want from me folks um so it's like solid but it's boring solid so yeah and you you know, not gonna make me any friends is that sort of how i feel about miss fisher's murder mysteries is that right i know it's, so it's like, I, I want more zing in that than we get. I like it, I mean, because the, the, I like the cast. I like it a lot more, uh, you know, quite a bit. I just, for me, I, I've never gotten to like, oh, I love it because I just want like, like 10% more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it doesn't need to come from Fanny because she's given all she's got, right? It's got to come from the writing, I think, and for me in that, in that case. And this is just like, this wishes it was Fanny. <laughs> This yes. wishes it was Miss Fisher. Um, and also just on a purely ridiculous and superficial level, apparently in a future episode, there's a shot of the Duke changing a shirt or something that like Miss Scarlet like sees a glimpse of in a mirror or something like that, and then like looks away kind of so the so the camera shows it, right? Yeah. Completely shaved chest. Completely nope. bare. Chess, and like, I get what you're doing here. I appreciate, you know, like, you know, the female gaze and all of that. That's fabulous. Good on you, you know. You have a little, like, equal time for the, the people who appreciate a, you know, a, like, a half-naked man being some, on, put on display in the same way that the show is also clearly putting women on display. Like, that's great. Why, with all this beard and all this head hair nothing on any other part of his arms like chest like this doesn't make this doesn't make sense it's such a stupid thing to break the reality of the world for me but it does <laughs> it's like is he waxing or is he shaving his chest before he goes into work as a victorian cop like <laughs> it's so dumb uh but well we I'm- do see him shaving in his office in this episode so maybe that was just like the, the like yeah. the whole routine that was like the, end the of it. second like he was in the, he was in yeah. the second phase of his of his yeah. daily yeah that could be could be who, who do i you know i haven't seen more of it i don't know um but i'm sure people just hearing that that there is some um eye candy for people so uh in, inclined or interested uh, will it be i'm sure enough to keep some people watching but i just like there would have to be a lot less on for me to be like saving this one. I'm sorry to say, because I really was hoping for it to be a zippy fun, like bantery, like, like let's take, look over what Bridgerton is doing, get a bit more of that and throw it in to the mix here. Doesn't it? Don't be Bridgerton. That's their own thing. But like a little bit more of that energy and that fun here would have gone a long way. Um, Next up is the premiere of Batwoman. What happened to Kate Kane? And uh, what happened to Kate Kane? How did they do? So I think that there's a couple of things happening in this episode. Um, this is really the first episode of television I've watched where you just kind of feel 
the pandemic precautions really in place. Um, scenes are really brief. Um, people are all social distancing on set for the most part. Um, like everyone's like six feet away from Beth at all times. And it's not because Beth is Beth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, it, it just felt kind of weird on that front. Um, the other thing that feels very much weird, which could not be avoided is not so much the writing out of Ruby Rose, um, which we'll get to, but is the, what feels like a very rapid turnaround to skate out of the Bruce Wayne storyline that they set up at the end of season one, Mm -hmm. which now obviously doesn't work. (laughs) Um, and I feel really bad for Warren Christie because I'm pretty sure he was contracted for multiple episodes um, to play Bruce. And then they just kind of went, this won't work anymore. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Warren. Um, so, no, you don't get to be... You can come back when we bring Bruce Wayne back, but... Bye. <laughs> um, bye. Um, so that also just ends up feeling really, really rushed. Um, even though... I also feel like it shouldn't have taken um, Julia figuring it out because I feel like Luke should have immediately been, you are not Bruce Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I do appreciate how quickly that happens and how very much we get to, this is not Bruce Wayne. We need to like deal with this right now. Um, And I like how they tie into the suit and everything because that was the whole point of the whole ruse was getting the suit. Um, So that's all fine. Um, it's very rushed and it makes the episode feel really disjointed as a result, but everything else is just, everything else around it just is them having to respond to something that they were not anticipating. Um, the introduction of Ryan, I think is fine. Um, I think that they do a decent enough job having to do a lot of exposition between establishing Ryan and also establishing Ryan's connection to Kate Kane in a way um, so that she has a sense of who Kate Kane is and that Kate is not who she thought she was, basically. Um, excuse me. That being said, shoehorning in a way for her to have a connection to Beth is just awful. And I get why it's there, because they need some reason to keep... Um, Beth in the play and also to keep Rachel um, Scarston on the show because Rachel Scarston is one of the best things about the show. Mm. Well, it's also a good shortcut for um, Mary to connect. Yes. With her. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's the other thing. Um, so it's not, it's, it's the entire episode basically boils down to be very, very inelegant, but as about as well as you could expect, given they were not prepared for this. And the pandemic really just kind of influenced a lot of, I think, their staging choices. Um, so, and also just like a lot of their editing choices as well, because uh, scenes feel really, really short um, in this episode. So that's kind of how I felt about it. I don't think it's particularly good, but given the circumstances, it's about what I think that they could reasonably do. How do you feel about this? Javicia Leslie um, is really good, I think, as we anticipated. Um, I've really enjoyed her and other things that I've seen her in. So I was not surprised by that. I think some of the writing is good and some of it is just bad. Just like mm-hmm. that speech about the numbers was just bad. Yeah. Um, like, and so like, 
I think the the idea to like first of all not not actually having her be like a tough hardened drug mule criminal like but someone who has been really screwed over by the system is very good yeah is a very good pivot from what that original character description was very good change um and also and i like that they're pointing out all the privilege of kate kane mm-hmm. and all these are the characters and then like like having this other way into you know it's a con- point of contrast with it going into like yeah and she got she got framed by some dirty crows which we they already introduced as a theme in the first season but with having your big love interest and your the dad be a be a crow was never going to be something taken all that seriously uh, on the show that really does a lot I think to add some nuance and some needed I think nuance to the the vigilante stuff and to all of the you know why are they not just going to the authorities um, but they just they got they gotta step up some of their writing. Um, the stuff that we get with Alice, I thought worked really well. I like the, no, 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 no. But I was going to, I wanted her dead because I was going to make my dad kill her and it was going to be awesome. Um, is a great twist on that. And also, a, you know, cause I don't buy it also for a second, uh, which we're not supposed to. And, uh, so that, that gives a lot more potential here. I like that they have outed Kate to like, all of their cast now in a way that yes. I don't, I think is a, vi- a bit convenient, but um, you know, fair enough. They didn't even have Ruby Rose come back to do the voiceover for the letter, which, which is, cracked me the f- up. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. But overall I thought it worked pretty darn well and was a, uh, a strong, a much stronger introduction of this character and pivot for the situation than I expected. So, um, it's got some work to do, but I think that all things considered, they're 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 doing pretty well with a one hell of a curve. It and you know I'm really okay with her just finding the suit on Kate's yeah, plane. It's fine. Like it feels straight comic book to me. Like I'm very comfortable yes. with that. So I like that they don't overly complicate it. Um, no, didn't need and to. We'll, we'll see what comes next. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I didn't even bat an eye at mm-hmm. the the plane crash and I found the suit. Like I didn't, and it I was just, just like, so happens to fit. And she just so happens to have a background in martial arts to somebody like, yeah. That's so fine. the suit fitting, I kind of have an issue. <laughs> Cause it obviously shouldn't, but like, but yeah, it's that's just fine. that I'm going to roll with. Um, but no, I agree with you. The writing is just kind of all over the map in this. Um, so I'm hoping that once we get start getting into it, things will settle down. Um, and I think that, I'm going to be curious to see how their actual big bad of the season, the um, Sophia, Sophia, um, slowly comes into play um, will be interesting um, since Beth is very much a supporting character in this show and not like the big bad. Um, She's just an ever present threat, but she's not the, she's not going to be the, she's not going to be the primary driver of, I think a lot of the overarching narrative this season, which is fine um, because that gives her more to do, which I'm all for. The the number one question I have is Mm -hmm. not, is the kryptonite going to poison the blood and give her superpowers, which is also an easy way to go. No, it's just going to kill her (laughs) because that's what happens. We'll see. We'll see what they do. But uh, why did they bring back the actor who plays mouse during a COVID lockdown 
to be a dead body. Clearly something else yeah. has to happen there. Cause there's, there's no way they bring him back like for, to be a dead body, to be like, with like with all the COVID things going on, you do not add an extra member of the cast. Uh, if yeah. you don't have to. That did so, feel a little weird. Um, that was uh, very intriguing to me. So we'll see what happens next. I almost hope he's just been contracted for a few episodes to play a corpse, but we'll <laughs> see. <laughs> We'll see. Uh, our last episode of the week is WandaVision, which has first two episodes. And um, I know that there was uh, like some mixed reviews with this out. Um, and yes. uh, I'm not sure. I, I was I was I watched it pretty quickly and I saw mm-hmm. your some of your tweets. So I know where you know, I know where you're, where you're at with it. Um, but no, I don't think it'll surprise you to hear that this is so completely my shit. Uh, I don't even necessarily understand where people are coming from who feel like this is too slow or mm-hmm. like up its own up its own ass um, because this is just not a show for everyone and that's okay. This is a show for people who want to take a trip down nostalgia memory lane with like like and interrogate what it means to be a, a happy American family and like. Like all these different, if this is playing with so many different ideas through using the language of classic sitcoms, um, and the idea that like that that is pretentious versus just like not for you, you know, is very strange to me. Um, so I'm curious what you think about it. I'm curious if you are as irritated at people who are like, oh, just be a superhero show already, um, as I am. <laughs> Okay, so um, listeners, first of all, I want to note that Kate knew nothing about WandaVision going mm-hmm. into it. Um, is that right? Like, you hadn't watched any of the trailers. I had just seen, anything. like, some of the images, like like, yeah. the, like the posters and stuff. So I knew, mm-hmm. like, there was, it was some level of black and white. And yeah. that Vision, obviously, Vision is, I guess, spoiler, he's dead in the movies. Um, and he's not dead here, so. Mm-hmm. Eh? Uh-huh. And that's about yeah. all I knew. Yeah, and I actively, like, I had been gobbling up the trailers for this and, like, reading about it because I was super intrigued by the whole concept of the show. Um, And so I purposely told Kate not to watch anything because I wanted to know what her reaction was to, wait, they're just doing Dick Van Dyke and Bewitched. (laughs) Um, And no, I'm I'm in very much agreement with you about the show. Like, I I can sort of understand how people are feeling like this is too slow. However, it's nine episodes. We're going to be a third of the way through it this week. It's, I thought it was 10 episodes, 10 half hour it's episodes. Nine. It's nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be a third of the way through it this week. Also, um, it is half, there are half hour episodes. This is, if you think this is slow, may I introduce you to the show we didn't talk about today in our DVD shelf? Uh, like to, to like so many other shows that are really more of a 10 hour movie. Like, Oh my god. Yeah, so I, I see where they're coming from with this. However, I just very firmly disagree. Um, and I think a lot of it boils down to the fact that the show doesn't, WandaVision does not provide as many sort of, wait, what's going on sort of hints, right? You get the sword helicopter, and that's kind of it. And little bits of people monitoring her, trying to reach out to Wanda. Uh, but that's all you get. Um, and I'm okay with that because the, the fact that we're getting to live in this very weird sort of 
way of handling grief after being dead, but then being resurrected. But not having the person that you love be resurrected. And dealing with that grief as an immigrant and as someone who has been the victim of American imperialism via the Avengers. Mm -hmm. um, And like very specifically through the Stark weaponry that killed her parents. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then through Stryker and everything killing her brother. Strucker. Strucker. Strucker, Sorry. Thank you. Like, yeah. And his watches. (laughs) And his watches. (laughs) Um. Like all of that, I think, and then having that refracted in the idea that what, however, this gets explained, that Wanda is experiencing and dealing with her grief through American sitcoms, I think is really interesting. And there's so many, like, as you said, really lots of layers to peel back about that Um, from the idea of American culture disseminating so much through other, through television that it's just a shorthand for any number of people that would roughly be Wanda's age uh, regardless of where they live depending on their access to media and television and, and whether what Brandon reruns at what time in which countries exactly um, whether it was dubbed or subtitled all this sort of interesting things that are far beyond the scope of this show but what matters is is that this is how this grief is being refracted of I could have had the perfect life and what's more perfect than a life on an American sitcom And so tracking that through the history of sitcoms, we're going to do Dick Van Dyke. We did, we did Dick Van Dyke and we did Bewitched this week. Um, We've got, we're shifting into like this, what appears to be like the seventies pretty soon or the late sixties. So we're going to get the Brady Bunch for sure. We're going to get full house naturally. Um, So there, and also I think family ties as well, which is also just naturally. Um, so I think that there's a lot of really good things happening here and I'm all in basically. Like I really like this. Um, the tweets that you saw listeners were me talking about how ridiculous Paul Bettany is in this because yeah. the man is clearly having the time of his life. Um, he's just so excited um, to be doing all of this stuff. Um, Cosine and also throw in Elizabeth Olsen is also really freaking good in this. She's really, really good in this. And I had this discussion with Caitlin Thomas previously of TVGuide.com about the ways in which Bettany's performance is very much being vision trying to grapple with being in an American sitcom and just kind of trying to figure that whole thing out. But he's still at his core vision without awareness that he's dead. Wanda's whole thing feels, and Olsen's performance feels by its very nature more performative because she's trying to fit in in a sitcom that she knows she doesn't belong in. And she's still trying to kind of make it work. Whereas Bettany's just trying to hide the fact that he's an android. And that's two totally different wavelengths for these performers to be playing off of. But when they're together and they have those moments of we can change this and they materialize rings and it's like, we're happy. It just guts you really, because you know, Wanda kind of can figure out that this isn't real, but vision just knows something's not right, but is also doing those motions of what a sitcom husband would do. And so the, all the weird meta layers of performance and genre that they're playing with, I think just works so well that again, 
I don't want them to get to superhero stuff because this is much more interesting. It's so much more interesting and it lets them do some weird ass shit. Like when um uh hearts the hearts are for dinner and Melamed starts choking and it just It's gets, so good. It's so oh, it's good and scary. Great. Yeah, it goes it goes full like Hitchcock presents for a moment there and like with everything like it's so great. And like the notion that you would be comfortable or want the show to sacrifice that moment so you can get more hints and teases earlier in the episode. Like what? Why? Why would that be better? That would not be better. Why would you want to take away from Deborah Jo Rupp's fantastic performance of like when she, when she's like, stop that, stop that. Right. It's just, it's so, it's so good. She's she's fantastic. People know her best for being, you know, the mom on that 70s show. But like, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's so good. And then like to watch the calibration of Olsen's performance as the one at the table, most aware that this is not real. Yes. Right. Like, it's terrific. It's so but it's needing so it to be real. Oh, yes. Yeah. Desperate. And like and so then what that means for her to 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 like sacrifice their cover in theory mm-hmm. um, and to say no you need to do this like and you need like acknowledging the sacrifice of that and asking that a vision and knowing what that means like like is really terrific um mm-hmm. so like to be like no no no, i want more answers though i want more teases i want more of a puzzle box like no thank you i will gladly take this version this is much better and like the the when we look at the, the MCU and these different um, franchise building, like superhero worlds that the different companies are coming up with, the most successful ones are the ones that do not try to be everything to everyone, but chick, pick a, like choose a very specific lane and do that really well. Do like really commit to a tone or a voice or a, like a topic, that kind of a thing and go all in on that. And so trying, if they try to make this be a show for everyone, it would be much less interesting. This is a much more interesting way to go. And I, I think it's a really great first show for, for them. It's like, yeah. look, yes, we are going to also do like our versions of like S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff. But like, here's this. Isn't this like it's, it's going to be awards bait, too. It's going to get yeah. a bunch of really great press. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a word spade for Bettany because his performance is much flashier right now. Because, um, God, his whole thing during the magic show mm-hmm. for the children. Th- and please note, there are no children anywhere in either of these episodes. Uh, <laughs> like none. There are no children anywhere. Um, but his whole performance in the magic show is just one of the funniest things I've seen in a while. Um, because it's fun watching someone be drunk on gum. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we cannot not mention uh, Catherine Hahn, who is fantastic. So good. She's she's much better in the um, Dick Van Dyke episode, but she has a lot more to do in the Dick Van Dyke episode. Um, she than gets, she does in the, yeah. Than in the Bewitched episode, where she's a little sidelined. Um, for good reason. Yeah. Um, Tiana Paris will be um, interested to see her get more to do. Yep. And uh, and then the other one who, of course, stands out is Emma Caulfield. Always appreciate seeing Emma Caulfield on my TV. My partner and I were so excited and we were trying to figure out who it was. And then I, I like looked it up and I'm like, oh, it's Anya. <laughs> and there's a bunny. <laughs> 
do you have any final thoughts on WandaVision? Nope. Just super excited. But this was also just because of... I mean, it's also really important to remember that this is not what they were supposed to launch their MCU television lineup with. But they had to because of the pandemic. Because Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be much more traditional MCU, almost certainly, compared to this. Um, And it's also really important, I think, to remember that as good as this is, this is still serving the MCU meta narrative the er the er plan uh since all of this is going to feed directly into multiverse of madness which is the next doctor strange movie in which scarlet witch will wanda will play a a role of some kind so despite the weirdness of this this is still eventually going to settle into randall park eventually showing up (laughs) and being like what the hell is going on even though i'm also very eagerly waiting for that to happen because we already (laughs) got his voice (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be fun. And it's also, like, not a surprise. Uh, this one's my week in TV. What was your week in yeah. TV? No, this is also very much my week in TV. Um, WandaVision, hands down. The, the inauguration and everything, the, the like, all the emotions that came with that wins my week in, like, everything. But of the TV shows, yeah, definitely, definitely WandaVision. Um, now we'll take a break, listen to a trailer, and come back to talk uh, Netflix's Somebody Feed Phil. We'll be right back after this. By the way, here's something I just thought of. Are there snakes in here? Yes. I am Phil. Phil. Beautiful lady. Phil. Food is the great connector, isn't it? I'm like Oprah. You get a shrimp and you get a shrimp. I find a new place, see what everybody's eating. And sometimes miracles happen. Hello. A classic Mexican cantina. The best sausages in Lisbon. Floating markets in Thailand. Favorite thing to do is to taste little tastes of different things. Banh mi, cocktails, crawfish, pork belly, pork cake, and pork chop. This is fantastic, people. It's so good. Just find out what people like to eat. You make them happy. What is that? It's a snake. He should really try the ribs. If you like a food, go to the source. This is why you travel. It's a family trip. It's like a Jewish mango, mangosteen. That was a trailer for Netflix's Somebody Feed Phil, which is a travelogue and food show on Netflix. There are four seasons, uh, six episodes, six episodes, five and five. So there's, uh, what is that, 22 episodes total so far. I don't know. Has it been, is it coming back at any point or not currently planned? I don't know. Um, seasons three and four were filmed back to back. One and two, it seems like as well, because they were only released like six months apart. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm sure the pandemic is probably influencing whether or not they make a decision to go forward. But also like Phil Rosenthal's um, 
availability mm-hmm. That's will true. also play a part. So, but yeah. no, they have not renewed it officially yet. So now Phil Rosenthal, who's the host, also uh, uh, was the host of "I'll Have What Phil's Having" on PBS, which I have not seen. Have you seen that? I have not. It only aired for six episodes, mm-hmm. um, and they op- PBS decided not to renew it. Um, but it's more or less like my understanding is that it's more or less the same show. They tweaked a number of things when they transitioned to Netflix, including giving the show a theme song, which is arguably one of the best things of somebody feed Phil. I love that theme mm-hmm. song so much. Um, but yeah, my understanding is that it's roughly the same show, just a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, there's also, he, he also has a film, um, the documentary called Exporting Raymond, because he was one of the producers, executive producers of everybody. And co-creator, yeah. And co-creator, yeah. Uh, So he has a a documentary called Exporting Raymond, which is following him um, as he works to uh, adapt Everybody Loves Raymond for Russian TV, Uh um, despite, like, knowing very little (laughs) about Russian culture. Um, And so I remember hearing about that um, when it was, that was coming out. I've heard good things about it, but I haven't seen it myself. Same. Um, so, so that I'm also, after seeing this, I'm also very curious to, to check that out. Um, cause I think, uh, I think tribal documentaries just like live and die by their hosts and their point of view. And he's, I mean, it really feels like somebody watched him try food and was like, get this, get this man a show. Do you see the faces he makes? <laughs> he, he's very good at smiling <laughs> really wide when he tries food. Um, and, and I think that like, he's really charming, a really fun host. Um, and for me, it really works. I, I enjoyed this a lot. There are certain episodes that I thought were more or less successful. I kind of did a smattering of the, the 22 episodes. I look forward to at some, you know, like next time I just want to put something on, this will be right on that list to, to, yeah. to work my way through. Um, but like, I was surprised that there were like, I, the, of the various cities that they did, I didn't do, I didn't watch Chicago. Um, but, but I've only been to like, obviously Chicago. And uh, Hawaii. And that is it. I have not. I've been to Montreal. I had, I didn't watch Montreal either. But like of the 22 episodes, I have been to three of these places. <laughs> and um, the only one I watched that I have been to is Hawaii, which is why I sought it out. Mm-hmm. I went there vacation once. And for vacation, I went there for vacation once. Um, and I was underwhelmed by the Hawaii one. I thought that was the weakest episode I watched. And I don't know if that's because I know slightly more about Hawaii. I don't know a lot about Hawaii, but I certainly know more than I know about, say, Marrakesh <laughs> or or uh, or Bangkok and and some of these others. You know, like I haven't been to New Orleans. I, I feel like I know more about New Orleans from watching Treme and some other documentaries and stuff. But um, I don't. So I don't know how much is that and just how much that is just like more of an off episode. But um, even that one I was really charmed by. I think this the show really works. Um, and I'm curious what you thought about it. Yeah, so I very fully agree that uh, Rosenthal is infectious in terms of his just sheer kind of delight at experiencing something new, uh, which is I only ended up watching like four of these episodes. Um, I watched Bangkok, I watched Copenhagen, I watched Seoul, and I watched Rio de Janeiro. So I watched one episode from each season. Um and I did purposely kind of pick out cities that I was more interested in. Um, but I also like Copenhagen stood out like a big thumb to me because I was like, no one talks about the cuisine of um, whatchamacallit. Um, 
Danish cuisine, right? It doesn't Danish cuisine. Thank you. Um, even though they should, because it's actually really interesting and open face sandwiches are delicious. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I meant to watch the Cape Town one because Cape Town is also not a city that you see in circulation about food culture. So I was, I just didn't carve out time to watch that. Um, but I think that the ways in which that they structure these episodes and structure everything around Rosenthal just trying a bunch of weird not even weird stuff just good stuff um but also trying like street food in a lot of instances and going like yeah no i don't like that it's interesting but i don't like it i don't want to eat it ever again um but not in a way that feels like judgmental or anything along those lines it's just a yeah no i didn't i don't i'm not really big on mung beans like no i'm good don't need any more of those um but it's fine that other people like them um, and I think that's gen- the I think the big thing about this is that it's a food show about someone who doesn't really know a lot about food, and that provides like a really audience surrogate friendly way of dealing both with different types of cuisine within a city, um, and within a culture refracted through that city, but also it allows for a occasionally a bit more of an expert person to pop up but not really like they're all the people that he sometimes come brings on to like help explore something don't necessarily add a whole lot to the experience which i kind of appreciate because it keeps the focus on him and how he's feeling about the food they're just guides really yeah they're steering where he's gonna go and check things out but yeah there the show is very much with him and so they're not going into these like soliloquies about like the history of the development of the cuisine through like they talk about some of that the culture and the and there is some of that but it's it doesn't get too chefy so this is a really yeah. terrific contrast to to was it breakfast lunch and dinner yes and like i greatly prefer this um and you know, I thought it was interesting. I, cause I watched, uh, I, I was kind of, I, I watched Bangkok, um, and then jumped to, uh, New Orleans. Um, well, I jumped, well, the first episode and the last episode, cause I did Hawaii second. Cause I was like, let's do one I've seen, whatever, you know, like a place that I've been. And then jumped back to season one, did New Orleans, Mexico City. And I was like, oh, I better get some other seasons as well. Um, so then I did Copenhagen and, and I, I did, uh, I got, like most of the way through soul before I, we had to start recording. Um, And uh, what I thought was interesting is something, I don't know if this is just a fluke in the Bangkok one, but uh, I appreciated that I was a little leery in the Bangkok one of the, the European, I think, I think European writer or maybe American writer who lives there now and talks about how no one fights here. (laughs) There's no, everybody's just happy all the time. There's no, everybody leaves you alone. It's just like, um, that's not necessarily good. Uh, Cause I guarantee you husbands and wives still fight in Bangkok. You just aren't seeing it. And if you aren't seeing it, it doesn't mean that that's a good thing. It means there's very possibly abuse and things happening behind closed doors. And because nobody's nosy, nobody's helping out whoever's being abused. Like, like this, there was a bit of romanticization from the external like person, right? Yeah, but there's also some of that from Rosenthal in the end in the wrap up of that episode. Yeah, um, definitely. And 
it also made me like really kind of antsy and that kind of that thankfully gets scaled back at least in the other episodes i watched um there's less romanticism there's less to that degree like exoticism of that as well um which i was just like thank goodness because i got really nervous at the end of the bangkok episode i was just like this is not gonna go great um i'm definitely gonna watch the copenhagen one because i feel like that is not going to happen here because it's a european city um and we'll just talk about how like people people the danes are the happiest people in the world just like by certain metrics within everything but that's just tends to be the case with those metrics in scandinavia um and nordic countries um, uh, but but what I was saying is that yeah that was that was for me it was worryingly pronounced in Bangkok yeah. but then I was very happy that I did not see that in the same way in the other episodes that I watched and maybe I just looked out in the other episodes but I've watched enough of them that I don't I don't feel like that's not the case to me it seemed like there was much more of a of a goal to find people that they like their guides the people who were not just like talking to them once but like taking them around to several places who had stronger ties to the, the city um, had grown up there or had studied there, that kind of a thing worked there um, as opposed to had vacationed there and decided to stay because it was so different from whatever. So I appreciated that, but, but Copenhagen I thought was absolutely delightful. I really liked that. And, and as a city, I'm not all that familiar with, I thought it was a really neat um, window into, into that city and who knows how accurate it is, of course, but um, right. But it was it was it really stood out. I thought it was really neat. Yeah, I really like that episode, too. And it also provided a little bit of interest into the sustainability aspect of food, um, which was a good city to kind of explore that with. Um, and the the other thing that kind of elevates that episode is that his family shows up um, and they just they make a good deal of hay out of that, which I find deeply, deeply amusing, um, including his um, just the too long I've died on this roller coaster bit, but it's just so funny that I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I liked the Copenhagen. I actually liked all of the episodes I did end up watching. I didn't pay as close attention to the Rio de Janeiro episode as I should have, but I think that generally it's a solid episode, but I did really like the soul episode a lot. Um, so how did you, you got to watch um, almost all of that. Um, how did you feel about that one? I thought, yeah, and that the soul one was the first one that I saw him having eating food and just going like, eh, it's not for me. Uh, but and I thought that that was a good contrast because, like, especially in Bangkok and in um, some of the other episodes, which is like literally one of the best blah, 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 I've ever had in my entire life. It's like you can only say that so many times before right. it starts losing its you know value. So when he's like when he's trying the the moving like the still moving octopus. And he's like, yeah, I mean, but it's pretty chewy, right? Like, like it's good. It's good, but it's, it's chewy. So, like, I'd rather eat something that wasn't chewy. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But then and then also, I think the, the balance of the in-the-moment shots and then the, the talking heads later is really good throughout. And cutting to him being like, well, I ate, what, what did it, scorpions or uh, shrimp that had just... Shrimp. I had ate the shrimp that had just been uh, killed or just been eaten just been cooked, I should say, right before, you know, and now I'm eating octopus, so I'm moving up the food chain. Like, like watching him get more comfortable with some of these uh, foods over the course of different seasons, I think is really neat and something that, you know, I appreciate that he's not just unflappable. And having his family there 
helps with that. When they when they're talking about in the Hawaii episode, he goes ziplining. And um and, and his his because he does these like Skype calls basically with his fan his parents, um, or you know, in the Hawaii it's his with his dad and I want to say his sister. Um and and she's like, Oh yeah, I've been ziplining like you do things now, but like when we went, I went ziplining. Like, are you gonna go ziplining? No, nah, I'll stay at the hotel. Are you gonna go horseback riding? No, nah, I'll stay at the hotel. Now you're ziplining. Now you're doing things. You know, it took you long enough, kind of a thing. Like, there's there's a nice sense of growth and like easing himself into trying more things. He's he's pretty game. You don't sign up for a show like this if you're not game. Um, yeah. But I do think that you know, in these episodes that I watched, at least you can see a a growth and a comfort with trying a wider range of things. Um, that, that is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty neat to see. Yeah, it is. And I think that even comes through, but also just, I think also like a lot of it is just his delight at the ways in which food gets served sometimes Mm -hmm. because I mean, in the Rio episode, they go to one of those traditional Brazilian steakhouses and I find it weird that he hasn't been to one before, even in the United States, because there there's plenty in the U.S. Um, but he's just delighted by the fact that there's a coaster. And when you flip it over to green, they just bring you more meat. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's that's how these work. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that just that kind of general curiosity and delight at stuff and his 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 desire to also share food with both his crew which happens across all of these including like um the local fixers that they bring in to kind of help steer things he often shares a meal with them in what in at least most of the episodes i watched um which i really liked um but also there he when he was in i think it was when he was in rio they were just having some street food and there was just this big crowd of people mm. And he just went, he just waved someone over and was just like, you have to try this. That happens in Mexico City. They go and they get <sighs> these tacos um, with El Pastor. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is amazing. And like, he's just like eating this taco. He's like, this is like, this is so amazing. And the people are just wanting to be like, but this is like, they're like, yeah, we have El Pastor. Come on. We, like, we live, we live here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, but then, then like a couple tourists walk by mm-hmm. um, and he waves them over and like, hey. Hey, come here, come here. This is really good. And, and like, are, have you, you know, are you traveling? Are you, because they can tell from like what they're wearing, they're traveling. And they're, they were from, yeah. I think, Australia or something. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you have you been to this place? You got to try this place. Have you tried this place yet? It's really good. You got to try this place. And the, the, it's a, it's a man and a woman. The woman is vegan, but the, the and, and they're like, oh, it's like, is there anything there for it? No, no, nothing for the vegan at that. So it's like, but he's not, and he's actually hungry. And he's like, oh, great. Come with me. You're getting, you're getting your, and he's never had Al Pastor before ever. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's just like, he just watching him, the joy of sharing that with yes. just a complete stranger. Um, it, cause it's not enough. And he talks about this in several episodes, right? It's not enough to experience something. The joy is in sharing it with other people and, right. and a travel show, they go through that much food, especially a show that's going to talk about sustainability at all. Like what, what's the soup? Where's the, what's the city where they have that insane, bowl of soup it i think feed, it's in seoul they feed like six eight people eight people yeah, yeah with the one bowl of soup because yeah. that's just like you know and also if you're going to be on the show you're gonna 
sir, if you know you're going to be filmed and you're going to make a generous portion, it's going to make you look good, right? So then all this food is just so, you know, like handing out food to whoever else. But it's like, this is really good. Have some more. Like, it's it's just very charming. Yeah. And I think that, that that communal aspect that you mentioned is also one of my favorite things about the show, because the soul episode actually ends with him having a big meal with like almost everyone that's been in that episode. Um, only the K-pop star um, isn't in that sequence at the end, um, but he's delightful at the fried chicken place. Like he's a hoot. But um, the entire like community experience of like joking with your friends across a lot of food um, and also watching people try things for the first time as well. That whole experience of the ways in which food and dining bring people together is, I think, really central to a lot of what he does on what Rosenthal and the show do without necessarily making that the driving, making that the the um whatchamacallit the obvious thing that the show is doing it's just kind of baked into everything which i really really appreciate yeah no it, it's it's a really fun show and i mean each episode i wasn't expecting each episode to be like 50 minutes long so they're long but yes. they, they tend to move um yeah just you know don't start it if you don't have an hour <laughs> yeah yeah that is that is a that is a thing that kind of influenced a lot of my choice mm-hmm. <laughs> was oh that's this episode is almost a full hour I need to go to bed, but I guess. Um, yeah, as we're sitting here talking, I'm like, I kind of really want to watch the Chicago episode and see like what they chose for Chicago, yeah. you know, because that's of all these places. That's the one where I'm going to be like, I've been there. I mm-hmm. cannot afford to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- that is one thing about the show is that there are a number of places where you go, I cannot afford to eat there. <laughs> But luckily, that only happens occasionally. Yeah. Well, um, and they do, but I, like you said, make a point to do street food as well, which is more accessible. Yeah. But no, definitely that. Like, what's that? Um, in I think it's in Mexico. No, yeah, it's in Mexico City, maybe that they do like a twenty-five course tasting menu, um, where it's like this super high end, and they take the fixer who with them who. Uh, oh no, that's in Bangkok. Oh, that's in Bangkok. Thank you. Sorry, because I watched him on this because it's day. her birthday. Because yeah. it's her birthday. And that's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, I know, no, like, she's not going to be able to afford this. Netflix can afford this, but she can't afford this. Um, and they, clearly they've cl- shut down the restaurant for them and everything, right? So it's a very special experience. Um, so I appreciate that when they're in Copenhagen, they're, like, stopping at a, a burger joint next to a gas station and those a hot dog stand. so good. They did look and those good. Those hot dogs looked so good. I don't even like hot dogs very much, but there were enough variety of sausages that I would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, like, Noel, I haven't had a burger in so long because I'm trying to eat more healthfully and, like, oh, man. that, that was, The burger and fries looked real good. <laughs> and that is, like, the big... And listeners, I do really want to make this very, very clear. Watching this show right now is a terrible experience because you just go, I really miss restaurants. <laughs> I miss food. I miss restaurants. I miss hanging out with your friends and just like, like, you know, spending several hours just shooting the shit over like fish and chips or whatever it is, you know? Oh man, oh. the fish and chips in the Copenhagen episode. Oh my God. All of the fried chicken in all of the episodes. Phil is a man who loves his pork. 
but he will also make some space for the for the chicken when they're walking through uh where was it where they ended up having the the beef lung and everything he's like he's like i haven't had any they're like walk past, past the stall it was mexico city i what they walked past you know this thing on the their way out of like the that area of the market and he's like oh i haven't had chicken yet today you can see like and it goes that's not chicken and they keep walking um because the, they this was you know where they did the awful tacos and everything um okay. but but just like being just just like his expression of like yeah, i haven't had I haven't had chicken yet like the copenhagen one we had the goat we've had the chicken we've had the vegetarian yeah i mean if you don't if you're not vegetarian save space for the other one instead like it's gonna make you so hungry for all this yeah. food that you probably don't have a way to make for yourself and you aren't going to be able to access easily yep. during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's one downside of the show, but it's not the show's fault. <laughs> it's not the show's fault. And it's actually quite, I mean, like these season three and season four came out in the middle of 2020. Like this must have been like really lovely viewing for people desperate for a window to, you know, the yeah. before times. Yeah. Season three was in late May and then season four dropped in late October. Mm-hmm. So yeah so hearty recommendation here at the television. yeah no absolutely this is like you said a great thing to watch if you just kind of want to watch something mm-hmm. um it's very good um yeah it's very great for that so also strong recommend i don't know that it would have been in my top 20 but i didn't watch all the episodes that aired in 2020 but it might have been i don't know like it's deeply charming yeah it's very breezy too like you can yes. Six episode season, you can do that in a weekend if you if if yep. it's a lazy weekend, absolutely. Um, so you can do that in a day if it's a lazy day. Um, so yeah, listeners, let us know what you think about somebody food fill, um, charming theme song and delightful host with his brother Richard. Uh, the Richard, whole, the whole dynamic with him and his brother is you know delightful. Um, and yeah, hopefully I, I will be able to catch up with some more of these cities because. Uh, I certainly have enjoyed the episodes that I got got a chance to see. So uh, glad that we that we ended up doing this one. So thank you for, for the suggestion. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that wraps up the podcast for this week. A few show notes here. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse.gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed and our MP3 unchaptered feed up on Apple Podcasts and we're also over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. And of course, we're both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Listeners, be sure to read Kate's recaps of RuPaul's Drag Race over at uh, the AV Club. And Kate, thank you so much for a great discussion this week thank you for the plug and thank you for a great discussion this week um and for getting me to watch somebody feed phil and thank you for listening everyone we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse (laughs) 